just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hope your day is going well. I just want to clean something up here before we get started. Um, I recorded a podcast earlier today, and I put it up, and people are listening and such. And then one of the listeners came to me and said, you know, that first segment sounds familiar. So I thought, well, I could have fucked up. I mean, that's not out of the realm of possibility. So I went and checked it. And apparently what I did is when I posted, I posted in two parts. And uh, I would normally put part one and part two. But what I did is I took another one from a previous podcast, made that number one, but had the right one on the second segment. So for those of you that listened to the podcast previous to this one and thought, well, that's a little weird, but listen to it anyway. Or some of you that thought that's wrong. Something's messed up here. You're absolutely right. But I have made the change now. If you listen to the whole podcast, it's still worth going back because I put the original and the correct first segment in it. I'm old. It was two in the morning. I was tired. <laughs> it's conceivable that I'm going to fuck up now and again. All right. Now that we've cleaned that up, uh, of course, on uh, this show, we've got Ed with us, as we always do from time to time here on the Rational Boomer podcast. Ed's sitting in sunny Tennessee at this point. Maybe it's it, not sunny. No, actually, we've got a thunderstorm, actually some severe weather about mid-Tennessee, which has kind of turned into, you remember Tornado Alley? Well, it, it shifted east and now right. there's right smack in the middle of what I'm calling Tornado Alley, and uh, they've, they've had so much severe weather from tornadoes to floods to, uh, well, one guy tried to blow up Nashville. You know, it's not been a good uh, good year to be in central Tennessee. Yeah, Tennessee has some shit going on. I mean, along with the Trumplefucks that you have down there, um, it's been crazy just about everywhere in this country, but the further south you go, it seems to be crazier. Well, I think it's just hitting here first because we're further south. I think all of this, uh, this just goes to prove that climate change is real or global warming or whatever you want to call it. I mean, uh, I was away from here for 50 years, practically, right. and the, in, in Minnesota, and I got to uh, know what the weather was like and pretty much expect and deal with it. It's pretty severe up there, and you could, it's like being on the moon sometimes. If you step outside without the proper equipment, you're going to die. Right. Uh, it's, it's a little milder down here, but I noticed some of the things from uh, when I was a, a young person down here. Um, we always were scheduled for a spring break, but we never got it because we had to make up snow days. And right. we'd have two, two, three, four major snows. I'm talking over a foot uh, every year. Uh, since I've been down here going on four years, the most we've ever had is about an inch, and it lasts about 10 minutes. Uh, so we're not getting those uh, some severe winters. When I, my grandfather was a, was a young man, he talked about the rivers freezing over and being able to drive cattle across the rivers. Wow. Uh, that never, never happened in my lifetime. Uh, so the, the climate has been changing during, during the span of my grandfather to me that we have seen a major change. Now, part of that may have been the TVA coming in and making a lot of artificial lakes. That certainly probably raised the overall temperature to a degree or, or more than one degree. But uh, it's much different than when I was here as a young man. Allergies are insane. Uh, I had no allergies in Minnesota. Uh, my wife did. Down here, hers are much more severe, and so are mine. And so is pretty much everybody I know now. Uh, has uh, allergy problems here just because there are plants growing that didn't grow here before. Right, right. I mean, you can call it climate change. You can call it global warming. You can call it whatever you want. You can deny it. You can do whatever you want. But the fact of the matter is from the time I was a small child to the time that is now, weather is vastly different. I live in Minnesota. We've got big snowfalls. We've got very cold weather. We still get snow and we get cold weather, but it's a little milder than I remember when I was young. 
I'm not yeah. walking in hip deep snow anymore. <laughs> that doesn't happen. And the three week stretches of minus 30 below, you're not seeing that either. Now for me, having less snow and warmer weather, I'm all for that. But there obviously is some changes going on. You have to acknowledge that. And then you have to decide why the fuck are those changes happening? What's the thing that's introduced into the system that causes these to change? And it can only be people and the shit we put in the sky. Exactly. And we play at it and we say, well, let's recycle. And then we don't really, uh, we do so many things that, that could have an impact on the amount of carbon we're putting in the air right now. Uh, California has almost uh, gone to 100% renewables. If they can do it, everybody can do it, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, let's get to the topics at hand. And of course, this uh, leaked draft opinion document from the Supreme Court to overturn Roe v. Wade. That's the big news. That's the crazy news. It's, you know, it's weird in this world. We've got a war in Ukraine. Uh, we've got uh, the investigations with the January 6th committee. We got these crazy fucking Trumplefucks running around doing all kinds of stuff. And it seems like every week or two, there's a new big traumatic story going on that kind of drowns out all the other stuff. And we focus on that. So we have to be careful not to let the other stuff go because that's crucial too. But this, this abortion thing is really, really heating up this country. It absolutely is. And the thing is, it's a bipartisan issue uh, for Republican women as well as for Democratic women. Uh, I've seen estimates of between 70 and 80 percent of Americans support the right to a safe and legal abortion. That's uh, I can't think of that many uh, topics that we can come together on uh, to that extent. So that means that uh, women tend to vote more than men. So yeah. I'm guessing uh, half the Republican, a little more than half the Republican Party probably doesn't support this either. That's what I don't understand. If they know, well, here's the thing. Before decades, Republicans have trying to get power, trying to stuff the Supreme Court with uh, conservative judges with the sole reason to overturn Roe v. Wade. It's as if the Republicans have had no other interest, no other goal, nothing else on their platform but to overturn Roe v. Wade. So now they're in a position. We find out this leaked document says the, the Supreme Court is on the precipice of overturning Roe v. Wade. And you go to the Republican candidates and you think, well, you must be pretty happy now. Why aren't you dancing the jig? Let's talk about overturning Roe v. Wade. And they'll say, well, yeah, I don't really want to talk about it now. Mitch McConnell says, now's not the time to talk about it. Well, of course not. This has been your one fucking goal for decades. And now it's sitting there as a possibility. And now you don't want to talk about it. Yeah, all they want to talk about, all they want to talk about is who leaked it? Who leaked it? As if that's some kind of giant scandal. Somebody did. We will probably never know who it was. There's no more indication it was somebody liberal than it was somebody conservative. We just don't know. But that's not the problem. No, the draft is the problem. And uh, the inclination that the draft probably shows that they're going to overturn uh, Roe v. Wade. And and I got to say real quick, Mike, on this this. Uh, uh, version of the opinion, this draft, it's almost laughably amateurish. I mean, certainly he must have some clerks. Usually the clerks are the top people from every law school. Did nobody read this ahead of time? It's embarrassing. His one quote about abortion being murderous from a guy who liked to burn women as witches. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this is this is a major gap. I mean, you've got to admit that he makes other assumptions that that uh, abortion is is not deeply rooted in the nation's history. Uh, 50 years is pretty good. And that's what we're, we're coming up on. Uh, about 50 years. Yeah, about 50 years. And, you know, the thing about it is, is if you have somebody on the Supreme Court, uh, a justice who was once a lawyer and a judge, presumably, you would think you would have the best of the best. But when you see this document, the way it's written, you're right. It is embarrassing. It is it is amateurish at best. And maybe that's how they go about it. Maybe that's how they start the process. I mean, these people are so arrogant that they'll throw anything out there. And because he probably thought nobody in the public would ever see it, he felt 
uh, charge to write whatever he wants and express whatever he wants, because he knows it would be honed down to something different and it would be purified before it was released. Now, I just, I I told this story on TikTok. I may have told it on the podcast previously too, but this is an interesting story and see what you think about this. I was watching, I was watching a videotape. It was a reporter on Newsmax. I don't watch Newsmax, but this video got my attention. The reporter is Greg Stinchfield. He's very upset about this this uh, Roe v. Wade thing. Now, he's not so upset about uh, constitutional rights being taken away from women. That's cool. That's not a problem. But he is worried about the leak. And, of course, in his mind, he thinks it's those radical lev- libtards. They definitely did it. Now, he was so confident that, that it was a libtard, he knows who released it. He's certain about his main <laughs> suspect. Now, his main suspect is Katanji Brown Jackson. Of course, she could do it because she's a radical left activist. She's capable of doing this sort of thing. She's black, for God's sake. And, 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 and he was certain about this. Problem with that theory is that Katanji Brown Jackson has yet to be seated on the court. She won't be seated on the court until end of June when Justice Breyer retires. So I started thinking to myself, could this guy be that fucking dumb? Is he that stupid? You're on a national network, albeit a fucking fucked up network, but you're on a national network. You can't read. You don't know any better. And then I realized something. He does know better. He knows what the truth is, but he also knows his audience are stupid enough to listen to anything that comes out of his mouth. In fact, that is the absolute strategy of all these right-wing newscasts. They spew lies and they spew half-truths and they know the truth. They know it, but they know the people out there are dumb enough to get triggered by this shit. So they use it. And this is why this country is divisive. We've got the entire right side listening to sources that give them half-truths and lies, and they believe it because that's all they listen to. It's fucking appalling when I listen, when I think about this shit. Absolutely. Your metaphor is well chosen. If you throw enough manure against the barn wall, eventually some of it starts to stick. And and that's what right wing media is all about. It's like the monkeys in the zoo, flinging feces and hoping some of it sticks. Well, that's monkeys in the zoo and uh, some radio stations I worked at. And you know that I worked at too, because radio people are despicable. I'm just saying that up front. (laughs) <laughs> well, yeah, we're just a, just a notch above carnies, you know, and I only say that because most of us uh, weren't like uh, uh, wouldn't fit in a freak show. But a lot of us would. <laughs> a lot of us would. No, I've said that. I, I, I've made that characterization before. People say, oh, it must be very glamorous to work with all the people in radio. And, and I tell them, look. Radio people are just carnies with good voices. That's all they fucking are. They're bouncing around all over the country, drinking till they drop, and uh, egomaniacal, stupid motherfuckers. Now, I'm sure there's some radio guys out there that are saying, that's not me. Well, it's not you, and it's not me, and it's not Ed. But you know as well as we do, you get into that world, and it is a weird-ass world. I'm kind of glad that the radio thing is starting to decline. You know, Radio isn't what it used to be. Now no. it's just somebody coming in for two hours and recording, you know, some tracks and then letting that run on the air. So it's not the same culture as it once was. But back then, it was pretty fucked up. Yeah, I would have to say that WKRP in Cincinnati pretty much nailed uh, the stereotypes. You had your Dr. Johnny Fevers that had been away around in radio since they were in college, and they still live like college students. You know, they have only a bare minimum income. They have no possessions, uh, not even a car, right, <laughs> most right. of them. And uh, only, you have your, their only clothing is, uh, is radio station and concert T-shirts. Right, and and maybe a pair of uh, bell bottoms left over from the seventies, but and uh, and of course uh, uh, either a, a poncho or or some sort of uh, exotic wear to go over the t shirt, and then you got your less nestments that just really uptight, uh, totally uh, bonkers and totally focused, probably re- Republican uh, newsman slash public affairs guy. Yeah, and you and then you then you have the uh, the uh, uh, 
the general manager who's a dope. That's always the case. And what, yes. what, what I, in every radio station I've ever worked at, you have the boss and then you have the secretary, the woman that's the secretary. Who runs everything. She's <laughs> the one that runs that station. She's the yes. ones you go to if you have a problem because the boss is a fucking idiot. <laughs> all he does, all the boss does is go, go to lunch and glad hand people at the Elks Club or wherever he goes. And, you know, that he's a guy who goes out and glad, glad hands everybody. And to his right hand, who always goes with him, is the sales manager, who's really the sleazeball. He's a sleazeball. And, you know, with the general managers I've worked with, their whole life was acting like the boss and trying to work out trades to get carpeting or cabinets in their home. And for those people that don't know what a trade is, instead of paying cash, you'll say, well, I'll give you a hundred spots if you give me that carpeting. And they do that shit all the time, but they never do it for the station. They do it for themselves. Funny story. The very first radio job I had in Waterloo, Iowa, uh, the station uh, had been a toy. This guy, this judge down in Illinois had bought for his wife. Yeah. They broke They broke up. He didn't want anything to do with it. So uh, he put it on the market and the, the uh, manager spent the next week driving around town with a pickup truck, hitting all the businesses and getting merchandise for their outstanding uh, um, advertising that they hadn't paid for yet and so forth, which he then cash turned into cash and hit the road. You know, when I went down to Arizona, I worked in the shitty little station in Holbrook, Arizona. It's all Mormon and Navajo. So this urban Lutheran kid really didn't fit in. <laughs> and I was I was a DJ and I was a sports play by play guy on the team or on the on the station. And I was the youngest guy at about 19 or 20. But I had vastly more experience in radio and more talent than all these other people because they had no experience the guy who owned the station was about 30 and he just got a fucking ridiculous deal from the guy who owned it before and he thought this would be cool so i ended up being down there doing all the commercials and having to teach them how to do stuff but one of my jobs was to be a salesman never had any interest in being a salesman for radio it's very difficult to sell something that's intangible something you cannot prove especially if you're in a small town and there are no real ratings to to back up anything you say but what i noticed when he gave me the list he goes well you can have the guy's list previous to you mm-hmm. and, and and in the first 20 on this list there was like a red check next to it i go what's this he goes well that's the great part of this all of these people owe us money so all you have <laughs> to do is go in there and get the money and i'll give you 20 uh, percent of that I go, well, you haven't gotten the money after two years. What makes you think I'm going to get it? Well, just work on them. It shouldn't be a problem. They're good people. Of course, I go talk to all of them. Nobody's paying shit. They got fucked over, whatever. They aren't paying anything. I just, I, I said, I'm not doing sales anymore. I'm doing more voice stuff and sports and stuff than all you guys. You guys focus on the sales. I'll focus on having some kind of product on the station. <laughs> it's a fucked up business. It just is. I would yeah, never we, recommend we, it. No. And, and besides, it's not going to be around very much longer. And certainly not in any sort of form that you would want to work in. As you say, uh, you may get two hours work a day uh, in which you uh, voice track not only your own station, but another one in a different state. Uh, right. And you don't get any paid anymore for that. So the, the business is pretty Yes, exactly. You're, uh, you, the business is really gone south. Now, the morning guy maybe still makes a few bucks. I two don't bucks, know. Two bucks more an hour, basically, in a small <laughs> station. Let's get back to, yeah. let's get, let's get back to the, 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 the topic at hand. And I wanted to ask you this because I have a theory. Now, this thing with the, this, this leaked draft of this opinion to overturn Roe v. Wade. You listen to everybody in the media, and it's all kind of a preconceived notion that this is definitely going to overturn Roe v. Wade at some point, maybe June or July. This is just the precursor to it. It'll work its way down to the final draft, and they will overturn Roe v. Wade. And I'm not so sure. I'm not I don't so think sure. that was the intention, no. That wasn't the intention to do that, but... W- but we know how the Republicans are. They're always trying to game the system. Every time something happens, 
they're, they're very reactive. They don't think ahead. So when they have something in front of them that they have to get away from or change, they're very clumsy about doing it. And, and I'm thinking, and I'm confused with this thing too. I'm thinking they're going to try to find a way to back out of this because if it goes through, it basically kills the midterms for them. They lose power and they may never get power back again because that whole group is starting to fade. And once that big chip is taken out, it's going to be hard to come back. So they may try to walk this back. I don't know that it'll do them any good, but they may try to walk this back somehow. And I'm not sure how they would do it because even if they do walk it back, they still did it in the first place. So they got that hanging over their heads. Do you think that's a possibility that they would try to walk back from this and not overturn Roe v. Wade? It's a possibility. And, um, it really, to me, will tell me who leaked it. If they do wind up walking it back, uh, if uh, Justice Roberts, let's say, comes out and says, look, this was a draft and this is the way we work. It's uh, the devil's advocate. He's putting everything in here. We'll consider that. In the meanwhile, Justice uh, Sotomayor or one of the liberals is doing their take on it. And then we will we will look at these and maybe some of us will change our minds based on these arguments or so forth. But we've still got a process here and we're going to go with that process and, uh, you know, devil take the hindmost and then shuts up. And then sometime in June or July, they come out and say, We've reached a decision, and we decided that the Mississippi case that we took uh, took on to look at, um, we're going to grant their petition, and we will make it. Uh, the limit is 15 weeks now for an abortion in the state of Mississippi. That's all we're going to do. See you. Don't forget to tip your waiters. But the problem with that is, is even if they do that, I mean. They were getting a lot of heat when Texas did what they were going to do, and they said 15 weeks or whatever it is they said. Uh, even though they're not necessarily overturning Roe v. Wade in that circumstance, they certainly are gutting it and setting it up to be overturned. And this has already been exposed. I mean, I listen to people on podcasts, on the Internet, on TikTok. People are talking like this Roe v. Wade thing has already been overturned. People don't pay attention that this is a draft and nothing official has been done. People are saying, We're, I need an abortion. I can't get an abortion. You can still, it's still legal. You can still do it. But people are so blinded by the fear of this whole thing, they don't understand what's going on. So I don't know if they're going to be able to walk back the idea that the Republicans tried to overturn Roe v. Wade, whether they accomplish it or not. Um, I do have a theory, and it isn't my theory, on who released it. And it's the best explanation of who leaked this. And who do you, see, who do you think it was? Or well, the, who I, does the person you're quoting think it was? I, I tend to agree with them. First of all, they think it could be either a liberal or a Republican staffer. And that doesn't make any sense. They got no dog in this fight. They're starting their careers. They got $200,000 in legal uh, legal uh, education costs. They're starting to start their career. Is any one of those really going to feel so strongly about this that they're going to leak this and risk the rest of their lives or probably in their 20s, maybe their 30s? Are they going to really do that? That doesn't make any sense. So, nope. if, it, so if it's not them, it's got to be a justice. But which justice? Some people say John Robert because he's the chief justice. Don't think that's true. Chief uh, John Roberts is very sensitive about how this how this uh, court appears, the legitimacy, the integrity. And by releasing that document, that does damage to the credibility of the court. I don't think John Robert would do it. The only person that is shady enough and dirty enough and has reason enough to do this is Clarence Thomas. Clarence Thomas is a shady fuck. He's all about this abortion stuff. He's got him and Jenny, his wife, under the microscope, getting all kinds of attention for the egregious shit they're doing. If anybody in this scenario needs a distraction, it's Clarence Thomas. 
I don't know for sure that that's true, but of all the explanations I've heard, that makes the most sense. He's the, he's the top, he's not the chief justice, but he's been on the court the longest. So he feels a certain amount of comfort. He feels a certain amount of power. He thinks I could slip this out there. They'd never find out it was me. They'd never think it was me. So I tend to agree with that person who said it could be Clarence Thomas. That is the best explanation I've heard so far. I think you're 100% true. Uh, I think you're exactly right on that. It, it was either him or someone very close to him that he directed to do it. That's, or that's Jenny. My, my, well, it, it could be. I mean, she would, I'm going to go look through your desk here. Don't worry. I'm just looking for paper clips. Uh, <laughs> oh, look, <laughs> here's a decision. Let's let this baby out. The, um, the thing I will say though, um, Alito. Alito was uh, put in place by George W. Bush. Right. And if there were, there were ever two Christian presidents, one of them was Jimmy Carter, who is a true Christian, right? who follows the Sermon on the Mount kind of thing and does good and, and is that has been never is completely unimpeachable in his life. He's done nothing wrong. Then we got George, who was a wild child. George was an evangelical, and yeah. he is the one who appointed Alito with the purpose, eventually, of overturning Roe v. Wade. It's been a long wait, but that was the purpose. So, yes, I, I do think there is a chance that they may overturn it. With uh, I think if this really quickly developed because no one could have known that Trump would have a chance to appoint three justices. The last time that happened was Reagan, and it took him eight years to do it, and he was dealing with an old court, uh, just like uh, we were here. But uh, most people would not have thought that, that Trump could change the balance of the court in just four years. So suddenly, you have all these people who've been waiting, and all these pundits on Fox News and everywhere going, yay, yay, we've got the balance, there goes Roe. So yeah, I think uh, I think it was their intent to get rid of it, just because they couldn't come up with a reason not to. Yeah, I, I think they, they, they would have hoped this would have come out after the midterms, though, this leaking of the document really put a, oint, a fly in their ointment. It's not working out the way they want to. It's working against them, not for them. Oh, absolutely. And um, I don't know about your Twitter feed, but mine today is nothing but outrage from women and men. Uh, there are male allies. I'm one of them. I support your right to choose until my dying day. Uh, and uh, I'm sure Mike does, too. Absolutely. The, uh, absolutely. I, I saw a woman on TikTok uh, coin a phrase, and I, and I think this is going to take off. She said, uh, she said, everybody in this world with Ukraine and Putin and stuff are worried about World War Three. Well, that ain't nothing, because what's coming <laughs> next is World War Woman. And uh, that that, you know, that's having been married a long time. I know you have. I have. I've learned over the years. <laughs> don't fuck with my wife. I am no, just going to do no. what I'm told, because the fury that they can wreak, the havoc they can wreak on you is frightening. These people, women in this country, you pissed off, alienated 51% of the people in this country, and you're probably picked the toughest, the meanest, most vicious group of people when they are wronged in women. And that was a horrible mistake. Yeah, the image of the mean, wicked, straight, razor-toting woman uh, has some basis in fact. <laughs> well, you know, it's but, not it. I don't mean that. I don't mean that literally. I mean, I mean that in the sense of determination and the willingness to do what needs to be done, if you if you follow me. Right. And I, I'm not trying to suggest that we've got all these tough women with leather jackets and they're going to beat everybody up. That's not the point. The point is these women from day one in this world have had to fight for everything they got. They had to fight to get the vote. They had to fight to get a fucking credit card. They had to fight to do everything. These these women are used to fighting. And they are knowledgeable about how to fight for it. They've been successful all along the way, and they are determined. And if you fuck with them, they are going to fight harder than anybody you've ever seen. 
And uh, I don't envy the Republicans who do this because half of the American public is women. And you picked a fight with the wrong fucking people. That's right. And some of them sleep with you. <laughs> that reminds sleep, me. sleep well, Republicans. <laughs> when, 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 I was, when I was a young man and my wife and I were a little more volatile and arguing about stuff. My wife was never afraid of me. I would never hit her or do anything like that. And she knows that. But uh, uh, at one point, you know, we were in a big argument <laughs> and I was saying what I was saying. She was saying what she was saying. And uh, she just looked at me and she says, you know, you got to sleep sometime. <laughs> <laughs> I got the point immediately. I said, you fucking right. Let's do what you want to do. There you go. I mean, if you can go back to prehistoric times, just remember that uh, the, the guy might be out there with uh, with his wolf dog and his buddies chasing down a mastodon or something. But she has to continue life under those conditions. I mean, she's the water is down at the bottom of the hill and there's three saber tooth tigers between here and there. And uh, she's going to have to give birth in a cave. Uh, doctor, right. what's a doctor? You know, maybe the witch doctor will show up and shake some bones or something. But she's going to do this on her own and keep the entire human species going. Uh, the guys, OK, you know, they drag on the mammoth, but everything else is dependent on her. Well, it's kind of like that, that, that what we said about radio stations, whether it be a radio station, whether it be your family, whether it be business, whether it be in Congress, it seems to be you've got the loudmouth men walking around doing all the stuff that gets attention, but the women are always the ones responsible and successful in maintaining our survival. That has to be acknowledged. We have to realize that, and I think most men don't. I don't think they do either. And you, you hear about the deep state and it's always prejudicial and so forth. Right. But the fact of the matter is the government and every business in the world runs because there are women at a certain level in that organization that make sure things get done while the boss is at lunch, while the boss is out playing golf. She's doing the nitty gritty. The salesmen are talking to her. Uh, there's, uh, in almost every case, every business I've ever been associated with, it's, it's, it's a matriarchal miracle. Yeah. Well, that's why we need a woman president. And with that, I'm going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. All right. We're back. We're talking about a lot of things. I've got Ed here with me on the rational boomer podcast. And, you know, Ed, one of the things that's struck me in the last year or two, I never gave much thought to governors other than my own governor. Yeah. Never gave much thought about it. But now they're in the news every day. And these are some of the craziest, stupidest motherfuckers I've ever seen, especially <laughs> a lot of them in the South. But we have some in the North, too. But uh, we've got some pretty, pretty horrible people that are governors of our various states. I know you had some in mind. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, the South has always been a hotbed of the uh, redneck governor. I mean, go back to George Wallace standing in the doorway, uh, you know, at the university saying no black person shall ever pass. And Lester Maddox in Georgia uh, and all of these guys, uh, Strom Thurmond, who actually was in the Senate. But they, uh, all these governors down here, these strong men that uh, had their political machines and held their state hostage for years and years and years. That's the stereotype of the bad governor, right? And, uh, right. and that's, it's been pretty much accurate. Right now here in Tennessee, we have one of the worst ever in Bill Lee, who is anti-science. He, 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 he buys into the CRT crap. He buys into anything that's, uh, that's right-wing conspiracy. He's, uh, of course, Trump won, yada, yada, boom, boom, boom. And then he's trying to destroy the public schools in various ways. I want to, we've talked about that a little bit before. We won't uh, get into the details or not, but then you got Greg. Greg Abbott out in Texas, uh, who's uh, just been a, a font of miraculous wickedness over the last year, and DeSantis down in Florida, who amazingly has not done anything outrageous so far today. Right. Well, you know, these things, that these two and several around the country have been utter failures in their jobs. 
I mean, they end up costing their constituents millions and billions of dollars because of their ego, because of their stupid choices, because they just don't know when to back off. And uh, I would hope against hope that when comes election time, it, it, it is realized at the ballot box, but I'm not so sure. I mean, literally, DeSantis and Gregory Abbott fuck up on a daily basis. They do, and there's no way to argue otherwise, uh, but yet they do. Well, they do. Uh, you know, you've got the whole grid thing in Texas. That wasn't necessarily Gregory Abbott's fault, but it was the Republican Party in the state of Texas thinking they could just start their own grid, grift a bunch of money off it, and everything would be cool. But then they find out, no, it fucks up when we overuse it. And I would be nervous if I was down in Texas on that grid because some other extreme weather is going to come along and it's going to knock it down. And people died from that shit. It's not like it's, oh, whoops, you don't have TV for a couple hours. People were suffering and struggling and dying and not able to get water or food. That That is unacceptable. It absolutely is, but there were no repercussions from it that I know of. Other no. Than Ted, Ted Cruz getting ridden a little because he ran off to Cancun while – uh, elderly people were freezing to death, but uh, I haven't seen a lot of repercussions there. But, you know, maybe there's other things going on behind the scenes we don't know. Now, Abbott just messed up, got uh, two ways. Uh, I'll let you talk about the railroad because you know more about that than I do. But he was also stopping all the trucks at the border to make sure there were no illegal aliens sneaking in or drugs. Well, they didn't find any of that, but they ruined all the fruits and vegetables for the next couple of months that now you're not going to find in your grocery store. Well, exactly. And, 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 and it cost the individuals and businesses in Texas millions and millions and millions of dollars just because he wanted to show his power, just because he wanted to make a point. Unfortunately, it turns out he didn't have a fucking point. It didn't work. He failed. He had to back off of that, but not until he did immense amount of damage to his state how do you get how do you come back from that well we don't know but he went right out then and uh messed up with mexico and the rail line that they were going to put through that would have brought the state billions of dollars exactly and you know how he did that by what he did with this trade embargo or whatever the fuck he was doing on the border you know, right. you got Mexico creating this trade railway that's worth billions of dollars, and they want to set it up to go from uh, Mazatlan all the way up to Winnipeg, Ontario. And it was going to go through Texas to get there. And it was going to bring a lot of money, possibly jobs to Texas. But because of what he did with blocking up the the border to do these extra checks just to show how smart he is, Mexico said, you know, we don't feel comfortable with a guy who's going to make trade a political issue. So we're just going to avoid him. We're going to go a little west, and we are going to go to New Mexico and go up through New Mexico instead of Texas. So that literally cost Texas billions of dollars, the people of Texas billions of dollars, because people were too afraid and couldn't trust the judgment of Gregory Abbott. He fucks up every time. And this is what's so uh, disappointing about all of these governors, because the governors have been kind of the the prep school for president. There have been more yeah. governors who've gone on to be president than, than senators or congressmen. Uh, and the reason is it's a very similar job. You're delegating. You, you have an agenda that you were trying to get uh, put into force, but you have to work with a legislature and the Supreme Court in every state. So you learn to work with people. But uh, when you take an Abbott, when you take a DeSantis, when you take a Bill Lee here in Tennessee, they don't work with anybody. So they never, ever develop those skills. They never develop a group of people because I don't know if you've noticed or not, but politicians are like minor league baseball players. They tend to move up together. Right. So right. If, if you if you have relationships with guys in other states, even if it's just the ones that are close to you, those are going to go right on through your life. And if you get to be president and you're friendly with these people, then you've got a base to operate from. But uh, that uh, that doesn't happen now because everybody's the enemy. And all you are doing as a governor 
or or a congressperson or a senator is just running your mouth and trying to make the other party look bad. You're not doing anything. You're not making life better for your constituents, either in your state or in your country, because you don't know how. You're serving a small group of people with a lot of money who tell you exactly what to do. And then you look around for these cultural things that can make it look like you're actually doing something. Right. And uh, and now he's looking at, you know, he did the one of the worst abortion bills in the country, signed that into law. A really weird thing that the, the Supreme Court never ruled on. They let it stay there, I think, simply because that they think that uh, they're going to overrule Roe and it won't matter. But it was a really weird one that maybe we could talk about a little bit because I, actually there's a, a part of it that might not be good. But the uh, now he's going after uh, the requirement that all the children be equally educated. Uh, and he wants to take a look at that in the state of Texas. He's, he's doing it because he says illegal aliens being educated at our expense. That's probably not happening you know except for such a small group of people it makes no difference at all it's a it's a rounding error but uh, still that's what he's that's where he's putting his energies in now well that really struck me strange this whole thing about pretty much trying to destroy public schools here's a guy that's wanting to ban abortions take away constitutional rights away from women want to destroy the public schools, so now everybody that sends a kid to school now has to pay for it. Now, as much as he hates the liberals, you got you can't tell me that there are some, aren't some Republicans that are poor that are going to be affected by having to pay to send their kids to school and probably won't send their kids to school. You can't tell me that there aren't some Republicans that need uh, need abortion services. What's he going to do when these people start kicking back? You know, he's he's really contending. He's doing what all the Republicans are doing, uh, patronizing uh, a small group of people in order to stir up all this drama and all this hatred and shit and hoping that's going to win them elections. But it's not going to win them a fucking election. It's just not enough people. Well, we hope so. And, and, and I think that revolutions happen when people have nothing to lose, when they when they look around and say, this can only get worse. It's not going to get any better. So I'm going to take, I'm going to get my pitchfork and my torch and let's go see if we can even this playing field a little. That's when revolutions happens because people know that if they take a bullet, they're no worse off than they are now, uh, either being worked to death or starved to death or in, in other ways, simply uh, humiliated and given just the barest uh, chance for survival. That's what I told my kids once. I said, be careful of dealing with somebody who has nothing to lose. They can afford to be crazy, and uh, you'll never know what the fuck they do. Now, I, I just want to talk about the governor of Minnesota, given that you lived here for a time. We have Governor yeah. Walls, who's a Democrat, and the Republicans absolutely hate him because of mask mandates and vaccine mandates and all that kind of shit. They hate him, and they're always talking shit about him. Now, Governor Walls right now did a pretty good job with the pandemic. Minnesota was one of the better ones as far as handling the pandemic. And he's got like a billion five in surplus. He doesn't have a deficit. He has a billion five in surplus, and he's looking at sending all the residents a thousand bucks a piece or something like that. But the Republicans fucking hate him. Now, here's what frustrated me. There's a there, there's a guy running for governor and a guy running for lieutenant governor. I happen to see him on TikTok for some reason. The, the one is Dr. Jensen. Years ago, he was in the state Senate or something like that. Now, this guy's a doctor. Now, of course, he likes to lord that over people and how he's much better than people because he's a doctor, in spite of the fact that he got reprimanded a couple of times for saying things that weren't true about COVID. But now he's running for governor. And the thing that really pissed me off is the guy who's running for lieutenant governor. It's a guy by the name of Matt Burke. Now, Matt Burke was a center on the Minnesota Vikings. He was a well-thought-of center on the Minnesota Vikings. He was an all-pro. He was very successful in football. Well, now he's retired, and he's uh, you know slimmed down some, and now he wants to be a politician. And he's a smart guy. He went to fucking Harvard. 
He's a smart guy, and he's running as a lieutenant governor to this Jensen. So I watched this video knowing who he is and thinking, well, let's hear what he has to say. And he's talking about the Republican bullshit. And then he says the word that tells me you're a dumb fuck, you're a liar, or you're evil. He says, I'm going to keep CRT out of our schools, meaning Minnesota. Well, dumb motherfucker. My wife taught for 30 years. There's no CRT. I know a lot of teachers. There is no CRT. And for you, Mr. Harvard, Mr. Former Viking hero to come out and say, I'm going to take CRT out of the schools. You're either stupid or you're fucking evil or you're both. I know you're not stupid because you graduated from Harvard. So you're just fucking evil. Here's a guy that was well-loved by most everybody in this state. And now it's going to only be the Republicans who find him unoffensive because this is fucking ridiculous. This is somebody who's simply trying to jump on the coattails of Donald Trump because he feel, he thinks he can still win by doing that. He doesn't care what's true. He doesn't care what's real. All he cares about winning. So Matt Burke, if, if there's somebody in Minnesota that knows Matt Burke, tell him for me, you suck and you deserve to lose, and you will fucking lose. Yeah, what is it about dragging these uh, ex-Vikings out of the woodwork and and trying to get them elected? I mean, you got Herschel Walker, now you got Matt Burke. I mean, uh, uh, who will be next? Uh, Count Baron Von Rasky, or uh, who's it going to be? Yeah, we had Jesse Ventura, so that's not a stretch, folks. <laughs> no, it's not a stretch, and that was that was uh, that was kind of a test that didn't go well for Jesse. I'm convinced with Jesse Ventura when he was governor, he's too thin-skinned. He wasn't really smart enough to be governor, but more importantly, he had some horrible people around him. I had occasion to deal with those people, and uh, there was going to be nothing but failure for for Jesse Ventura. Now, I don't hate Jesse Ventura. I think a lot of things he says are true in spite of the fact he goes conspiracy theory all the time. Um, but I just, I just think it wasn't a good fit for him for the job just because you played sports. I mean, I played sports when I was younger. I know professional athletes. They're wonderful people. They're smart in their own right, in their own field. But outside their field, they're not the best of us. They're not the best of us, and they should be focused on what they know as opposed to thinking, well, I'm famous now, so now I can run for something else and just sit in. They, 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 were, they, they were showed that they could do that when Donald Trump became president, wasn't involved in politics, had no fucking experience. He was just a guy who acted like he was tough, and people bought into it. So. These other people are thinking, well, I can do the same thing. I'm smarter than Donald Trump, and they probably fucking are. But it's appalling that these people are trying to get into these positions, and they're able to suck enough attention from stupid people to actually get into these offices. Uh, I agree with you 100%. As far as Jesse goes, I never agreed with him on a lot. But I never doubted his integrity. I never doubted that he believed exactly what he was telling me. And uh, although I might not agree with it, I had to give him credit for that. And I I do think he tried his best. And uh, I do think he had a lot of wrong people in his corner. But uh, mostly, unless you have spent your life in politics working your way up, Unless you've been an aide to someone and you know how things work, you're going to be ineffective. And that's what's happening. If you're just famous for being famous, that doesn't give you the qualities you need to go in and become a leader. That said, if you go over to Ukraine, you have a guy who was a TV comic, dancer, uh, generally someone we would think of as, as being kind of foolish, and he's turned out to be a magnificent leader for the Ukrainian people. So uh, you never know who's going to step up. And you never do. But, you know, when Donald Trump came in, I'd heard for years, and I might even have bought into it at one point, because, you know, the reason I, I voted for Jesse when he ran for governor, not because I thought Jesse would be a great governor, but I th- thought, thought – uh, um, the Democrats and the Republicans have been so caught up in this rut of this this uh, establishment bullshit and weren't focusing on the people that they needed a wake-up call. And if Jesse won, that would wake them up. 
Well, that didn't really happen that way. But with, with, with Donald Trump coming in, everybody said, we need a businessman. We need to run this country like a business. Well, that's not true. Theoretically, that maybe sounds good, but it's not a business. It is a country. It is a government. And so he comes in here and tries to do, um, run the country like a business. Little did we know he doesn't even know how to fucking run a business because all he does is run them into the ground. But clearly it didn't work. So we should take note of that. We should learn from our mistakes, learn from our experiences. But still, people are so caught up in the rhetoric and caught up in this guy allegedly being a tough guy. Of course, he's not. But they're so caught up in it, that they're going to side with him no matter what the, what he fucking does, no matter what failure he, he, he accomplishes day in and day out. They're still going to follow him. And, that, and that's, that's a psychological problem, I really think. That's the cult thing coming into play. Speaking of psychological problems, let's talk about Trump for a minute. Now, uh, Mark Mark Espert is coming. Espert Esper is coming out with a book now, and this is one of those books where you say, "Guy, why didn't you speak up at that time? Yeah. You know, you, you're going to make some money off this book now, but come on, uh, people needed to know we had a psychopath in the high in the the uh, the White House because." Um, he wanted to fire missiles into Mexico to take out drug cartels and then deny they were ours. Right. Uh, well, who, you know, who does that? Uh, sounds like, <laughs> sounds like Putin does that over in Ukraine, right? Uh, you know it, you know it exactly. And, and that wasn't all, uh, he wanted to know. He kept wanting to know. Uh, oh, he even suggested that we could do that with Putin, that we could uh, uh, put paint to Chinese um, <laughs> uh, Chinese Flat. identifiers on our on our missiles and and pretend the Chinese shot them at Russia. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is this is comic book villainy. Well, yeah, it is comic book villainy. You know, in regard to that border thing, I also read something that Steve Miller, uh, Stephen, is it Stephen Miller? Uh, That's it. The creepy fuck. Uh, anyway, what his, he, he went to the generals and said, look, this is what we need to do. We need to take 250,000 American troops and put them on the border of Mexico. Again, sounds a lot like Putin. And the yeah. general says, uh, yeah, I don't have 250,000 people to do that. And that's not a good idea. But Miller was insistent that they needed to do that. And then, and then when Donald Trump was dealing with the Black Lives Matters folks, he literally told Mark Milley, he says, I want our military to beat the fuck out of Black Lives Matter protesters. Crack and, their skulls. Crack their skulls. And then he said, uh, you should even just shoot them. And Billy said, well, we can't shoot them. That's, that's not going to happen. We can't do that. He goes, well, then just shoot them in the leg or the foot. I mean, this is, this is absolute ignorance. This is something a seventh grade kid would say. And this is the most powerful man in the country spewing this bullshit. If I was a Republican, I would be embarrassed. If I believed everything Donald Trump said, and I heard those words come out of his mouth, I'm smart enough to know that that is stupid, and I would be embarrassed. But clearly, these fucking people aren't embarrassed. Well, I'm sure the the uh, the generals are going. Oh my God! How can we possibly deal with this guy? And then you've got these Machiavellian figures in the background. These 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 shady weirdos like like Stephen Miller, who uh, uh, you, in the Lord of the Rings, uh, in the last book, there's this creepy uh, advisor to the king, and his name is Worm Tongue. And Stephen oh. Miller is would be perfect in that role if they ever decide to film that again he's he's the epitome of that evil sneaking rat-like figure don't you think oh absolutely he was like that kid that got beat up in high school or junior high school and fucking deserved it everybody (laughs) cheered when he got his ass kicked bullying wasn't a factor here this fucking guy deserved it and you know it's 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 appalling to see this and then you throw in the fact you've got somebody like kevin mccarthy he comes out and says, there's nothing to see here. It's no big deal. It's all overblown. But behind behind the doors of the U.S. House, he's saying, what Donald Trump's doing here is atrocious. Uh, 
He's we got to get rid of this guy. We got to get the 25th Amendment working. We've got to get him to resign. I'll go talk to him. The interesting thing is, uh, Kevin McCarthy talks a good game, but he never had the balls to actually go to Donald Trump and ask him to resign. Now, I know he wouldn't resign, but Kevin McCarthy's talking like this tough guy behind closed doors. But then when he comes out to the public, he tells us a different story. So these people can't be trusted. And if you can't trust your representatives, you got fucking nothing. And this is the thing, too, about McCarthy. What a turncoat. What a weasel. He's talking this to the the House leadership and these people. And then two weeks later, he's going after Liz Cheney for saying exactly the same thing. And he's having her removed from a leadership position. And he's having her thrown out of the party for saying exactly the same thing he said two weeks before. But it's not just Kevin McCarthy either. I mean, no. you always hear some of these news people and, and somebody like uh, um, Liz Cheney or uh, any of these people that are fairly normal. And they'll come out and they'll tell us, you know, behind closed doors, you wouldn't believe what they're saying about Donald Trump. Well, that doesn't do anybody fucking any good. If you don't have the balls or the courage to come out into the public and say what you think, say what you believe, say what you believe is in the best interest of this country, well, then you're fucking worthless. That's the whole Republican Party. They're gutless. They're fucking gutless. They can't speak up because they're so afraid of Donald Trump. And what's ironic to me is Donald Trump is probably one of the weakest presidents we've ever had. He's one of the dumbest presidents we've ever had, but our Congress and our Senate are scared to death of this fucking guy. Well, that's it. They've become toadies. Like, but you remember the playground. If you've been on the playground, you understand life uh, yep, better true. than anything else because you know who the bullies are. You know how they got to be a bully. And if you're not a bully yourself, you beca- you can become sort of a, 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 a half bully, a, a toady, the, the guys that stand behind him all the time, just so they won't get picked on by him. They're the ones who say, oh, you're great. That's a good idea. Let's do that and egg him on and so forth. And if you're not a bully and you're not a toady, you learn to run real fast or else you develop some sort of way to divert their attention. Yeah, that always reminds me of uh, one of the best lines I've ever heard in professional wrestling. It was it was the Road Warriors, Hawk and Animal. Now, it just so ha- it just so happens I knew Animal because he was a roommate of a friend of mine's up in Moorhead when they played football. But now he was a pro wrestler. But what they said one time, he says, "There's two kinds of people in this world. There's weasels and there's weasel slappers." <laughs> And there's some truth to that. Now, I I tried to fit in a different category when I was in school. Uh, You know, when I was really young, I got a little bullied here and there. But I I grew up. I was an athlete. I was known amongst the groups. I wouldn't say I was hugely popular, but I was known. You had the bullies. You had the people that get bullied. And then you had me. I was big enough and strong enough to confront these people, but I wasn't really bullying anybody. I wouldn't do that. And I wasn't really getting involved in shit. But when you saw something happen where uh, a guy was bullying another guy, you know, somebody like me or one of my friends who had the wherewithal to fight this guy and the guy knew it and he wouldn't fight with us because he's a coward, were able to stop these things. And And uh, it was a weird position to be in. You're trying to do the right thing and you were doing the right thing. But now you've got this problem with these bullies who are now constantly trying to strategize ways to get you because they're mad that you put them in their place. And given that they're narcissists, probably the last thing you can do is put them in a corner, tell them they're wrong or tell them they're losers. It was it was a weird dynamic. Um, I didn't mind playing the role. But it did cause me some problems after a while. The the playground thing, though, I was uh, I learned early to cultivate large friends, large slow friends, because like in the in the old joke about the two guys who are out in bear country, and the, uh, the guy says we have to be careful, we can't outrun a bear, and the other guy says I don't have to outrun a bear, I just have to outrun you. <laughs> but you know, I, I, when I talk about my my glory days with my sons. 
And, you know, I was one of those guys that got in fights now and again. I grew up in a neighborhood where that would happen from time to time. And I got in my share of fights. My youngest son asked me, did you ever lose a fight? I said, you know what? I never lost a fight ever. I never lost a fight. And he said, well, you must have been pretty tough. I said, not necessarily. I just didn't fuck with people I knew could kick my ass. I made (laughs) friends with those motherfuckers. I'm not going to fight somebody who I know will wipe the floor with me. And that, you know, that's pretty, pretty true. You, you, you pick and choose your fights and you don't go into ones that you know you're going to lose. Yeah. If you can survive the American uh, public school playground, you've got a pretty good chance of being able to make it through life because a lot fall by the wayside. (laughs) Well, yeah, they, they certainly do. And, and, you know, that's the essence of what we're dealing with in this country. Republicans for all intents and purposes are bullies. There are those people that will get run over by these bullies. And there are those people that will follow bullies because they wish they had enough power to do those sorts of things. And these, none of these people have the ability to think for themselves or stand up for themselves. And what we're dealing with nationwide is uh, bully governors. And I don't mean bully in a good sense. I mean, the bully pulpit uh, uh, means effective and, uh, and uh, gives you a, a, a way to change things for the better uh, just by telling people about what you want to do and how they can do it. Uh, that's a good bully. But these guys are the ones that they just want to throw their weight around. Uh, they want to hold an office because it benefits them uh, or their uh, small group. They're not looking out for the good of the country, certainly not for you and me. Well, DeSantis and uh, Abbott are the epitomes of bullies, and they're epitomes of stupid bullies. They do bullying things, and then they fuck up. They cost their their states money, or they cause them embarrassment, but they don't care. Their egos are big enough that they believe anything that comes from their mouth comes straight from Jesus, and it's the absolute gospel, and there's no arguing about it. There's no way they could be wrong, and they always fail when they do that. And and we're glad they do. But the, the problem is that for some reason or another, they seem to be able um, to yell squirrel in the metaphorical sense uh, and uh, direct the attention of their followers away from their failures or blame it on their enemies somehow or other. It wasn't our people who attacked the Capitol. It was Antifa. Uh, it no. wasn't, uh, uh, you can apply that to any situation, and they do. Even though that makes no logical sense, they said Antifa did it. No. Well, no. they're in, they're trying to certify the Democratic president of the United States. Why in the world would left-leaning people, Antifa, want to break that up? There's no common sense to that. So they just pull this shit out of their ass and they say it, hoping that the stupid people believe it, and clearly the stupid people do believe it. And they they do things like pull the CRT out of their butt. And suddenly all of their followers are all up in the air about that. Now, this is this is small town stuff where people know the teachers. They they probably went to school with the teachers or they had them themselves. And this is the third generation. Uh, Mrs. Blevins has been teaching English and Mr. Harris has been teaching math. But suddenly these people are the enemy and they're trying to groom their children to be trans individuals or something. And and they can actually believe this. They can put this into their brain and it have it make sense, even though they know these people. Oh, yeah. And, you know, that's the thing. That's the unfortunate thing about the Republican Party. Everything they do is based on fear. The more afraid they can make their people, the more they can control them. And that's exactly what they do. Well, we know which side we're on and it's the right side and I, I, which is the left, but I'm, but, uh, and I'm assuming that anybody who listens to this podcast for more than a few minutes uh, are folks who agree with us. Well, there, there are folks that agree with us. And I mentioned in the previous podcast, I got one troll that listens He's just this, uh, and I've said this before, I'd argue with this guy when he was on TikTok, but he was such a low-key, droopy dog kind of guy, you know, but he was just a rabid uh, conspiracy theorist. He sends me a note. I respond to him. I said, just go away. You're a fucking idiot. 
<laughs> then he then he sends me a free copy of his book on Kindle, which is called I don't know Biden's coup or something like that. And I said, look, just get the fuck away from me. Just shut up. I'm going to block you. And uh, <laughs> so I block him. So he he emails me with a new fucking uh, email account. He says, if you don't stop bothering me, I'm going to report you for harassment. I go, motherfucker, you emailed me. I didn't even think twice about you. So he's what he's wanting to do is he can't garner an audience to save his fucking soul. So what he's doing is he's trying to engage me. So I pull him on this show or on TikTok or whatever, so he can try to get some some audience. He won't because the people that listen to the show are intelligent. They're of a like mind. They're compassionate. They care about the country and other people. They have nothing in common with a dumb fuck like this. And that that's why, you know, that the things like uh, OAN and uh, Truth Social will never, ever succeed. Because if you take the liberals out of anything, you take the intelligence out of it. And then right. you've got nothing but the same five or six things to chew over and over. The election was stolen. Democrats eat babies. Yada, yada, yada. And that gets boring after a while. Well, it gets boring. And I think some of their audience is getting bored and getting tired and a little dubious about what the shit they say. Well, we're running past time here, so we're going to have to wrap it up. But I appreciate you coming along, Ed. Uh, of course, you'll be with us at least uh, two or three times next week, so you won't be far away. Thank you for joining us. I want to thank all the folks for taking the time out of your day to actually listen to this. If you have questions, comments, complaints, whatever, send me an email at rationalboomer at gmail.com or go to anchor.fm and you can leave me a voicemail message. So thanks again, Ed. Oh, you bet. And everybody stick with us. We'll eventually start making sense. Yeah. At one point or another, we will probably make some sense. All right. You have a great day. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.